That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. up thank you for tuning in today thanks to humans for bringing us in thanks to you for supporting the show i'm shane raymer you're listening to that sober guy podcast and we help people stay sober uh, always good to be back on the microphone this week and today's message is titled how do i crush ego uh, something that is probably one of the more difficult things for me to talk about publicly privately uh, even those own conversations in my head like man do i really have an ego and the answer is, of course, we all have an ego. The only thing that makes this a little more comforting for me, I think, is that I know many of you out there listening are like me uh, who struggle with ego, whether you know it or not and whether you admit it or not. And uh, I've spent the last uh, the last week, uh, even a, a little bit longer than that, just, just kind of thinking about this, praying on this, writing about this, uh, thinking back about experiences. And uh, so I figured, what the heck, let's do let's do a podcast about it. Uh, so we're going to dive into all that today. I'm also going to read some emails from some of you who wrote in a quick iTunes review. But before we do that, be sure to check us out at thatsoberguy.com. Uh, you can connect with us on Instagram, at realthatsoberguy. You can also go to Twitter, at Shane Raymer, and you can holler at us there. Uh, now, I want to tell you about Foundations Recovery Network. Uh, finding the right treatment for addiction and mental health illness uh, can be tough. There's a lot of different options out there. Who knows who is safe, who's real, who has a reputable, uh, good reputation. Uh, Foundations Recovery Network does, and that's why we've continued to partner with them uh, since 2016. Uh, they stay true to their mission. They have high ethical standards. They have treatment facilities all over the nation, uh, both residential and outpatient programs. Uh, and they've built the nation's leading, or I'm sorry, they've built the industry's leading research and outcomes program to fulfill each commitment to the patients and not only the patients, but their loved ones as well. Sometimes the families, uh, when, we're in, when we're in addiction or active addiction or even in recovery, especially the early stages of it, a lot of time the, the families, um, the spouses, the, the loved ones of those people can kind of take a back seat to that. And we got to remember that they're just as important uh, and just as much a part of this uh, person or person sins getting the help that they need so uh, foundations make sure to include all of that together to learn more here's what you can do you can go to foundationshelp.com slash sober guy foundationshelp.com slash sober guy or you can call 833-81-SOBER that's 833-81-SOBER you can talk with an admissions coordinator about treatment options that can answer any questions for you once again that's foundations recovery network all right did you know we have a course it's called how to navigate the first 90 days of sobriety, it's a digital course. Myself, a few doctors, a few friends of mine got together. I kept getting tons of emails, messages. How do I stay sober? How do you do it? Um, what, what should I do? What should I look out for? And I thought, well, man, why don't I just get some homies together, get some professionals together. We'll put uh, some podcasts. It's basically a podcast digital course, but it's video. Uh and, and, and there also is some audio bonus podcasts in there as well. I think five or six of those uh, the, of some of the um, some of the more downloaded episodes, five quick tips to stay sober, that kind of stuff. Uh, but it's all in there and you can uh, you can get it. It's 25 bucks with the promo code half off. You can go to that sober and click on courses. You can check it out there and look real quick. It's not a magic. Um, it's not a magic deal that's just going to all of a sudden make you sober and you're going to be great. And that's all you're going to have to do. It's really intended to work hand in hand with some sort of recovery 
whether it's a 12 step program, uh, some sort of recovery program where, uh, where you're showing up every day, maybe you're working the steps, you're doing some step work. Maybe you're in a, a, a small group, you're in a, a, a men's group, a women's group through your church, whatever the heck it is that's helping you stay sober out there. Um, it's designed to complement that. So, uh, check it out. Once again, go to that sober click on courses. There's a little promo video there. You can check out if you're interested. And I want to throw this out there too. I think I, I threw this out there a few episodes ago. Look, I know at times, um, especially when we're going through times where where we're struggling, especially if it's it's if it's substances, addiction, a lot of the time we don't have a lot of money. Even twenty five bucks is like like, man, that's twenty five bucks. Like, trust me, I've been there. So if you're really struggling and money's the issue and, and you really want to try this course out, you think like, man, that might be something I'd really be interested in. I can I can do it, you know, at, at my at my house while I'm, you know, or at my uh if you're in a facility, whatever it is, and and you need some help with that, shoot me an email, sobriety at that sober guy.com. Tell me what's going on. If you need some help, I will gladly give you a promo code and hook you up with that too. So uh, yes, that is that. And now let's do, let's see here. Let's do an iTunes review real quick. And then I had some emails I wanted to, uh, to read to, and then we'll get into this topic today that I, I'm, uh, I'm excited and, and a little nervous and uh, ego, man. That's just, a, it's a rough topic to to talk about. Well, first of all, it's a rough topic to acknowledge even the word ego, like about your own self. And then to talk about it on top of that uh, can can be a difficult thing. But we're going to jump right into it. Um, balls to the wall today. I'm going all, all out. So uh, this first review uh, on iTunes, and I appreciate it. If the show's helped you and you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. It's pretty easy. Um, it says your biggest fan, the real spin bad. Uh, I like that, like that name there. It says, listen to you all the time. I enjoy listening to your podcast, especially when I'm driving. It's helped a lot with my road rage, man. I feel you there. Lots of commuting in my days and road, road rage is, uh, is something that can uh, really get a hold of you, especially if you're in traffic. Uh, I'm now four months sober and I hope to keep doing the podcast and listening. Thanks for everything. Keep your blood clean. Mike S. Mike, my homie, thank you for the review. Thank you for the feedback. Um, man, listen to podcasts, listen to music, whatever it is that can help get you through that drive because, bro, I've been there many, many years, and I still I still travel quite a bit. It's just not like it used to be where it was like a daily commute. It's a little bit more scattered out for me, but in any case, I feel you. Traffic, long time in the car. Uh, sermons for me. Uh, I got. I have a few different, uh, few different pastors I listen to. I have a few different podcasts I listen to. I got a whole bunch of music I listen to. I talk to my sponsors sometimes while I'm driving or other, you know, homies just while I'm rolling. Try to make that time and make the best use out of my time where I can learn something and grow and think and talk and or whatever it is in that time. So it sounds like you're you're starting to do the same thing. Uh, so good stuff, man. And thank you again for the review. Uh, this next one, this is an email comes from Michael and, uh, Michael said, I wanted to reach out and say, thank you. I checked into treatment on July 2nd, 2019, desperate to find a better way. I've been abusing alcohol in a horrible way. At that point, I didn't want to live anymore for the past four to six weeks. I wish I didn't even wake up, man, been there. Um, I even prayed that I wouldn't, even though I have a wonderful life. I have a wife of 19 years, two awesome boys, everything to live for. Uh, the alcohol just taken over my life. Um, man, so the, I mean, that's, I want to stop it there. And there's a little more of this, but that's, there's a lot even just in that first, that first paragraph from Michael. And man, I know myself, I've been in that spot where you just don't care anymore. You just don't care if you live. You got so many great things to live for, but it's hard to see and you just feel overwhelmed. So I want to tell you guys out there, if anyone's going through that right now, like, don't give up. Like reach out for help. Um, there's there's so many resources. People care. Somebody loves you. People love you. Like you have a lot to live for, uh, to go on, to grow in. Uh, this life is is too short, and and the enemy will uh, try to take you out when you're at your weakest point. That's his ultimate plan. So just don't give up on that. Reach out if you need some help out there. I just want to say that first. Um, and then so Michael goes on to say, ended up getting into treatment. Um, realized he wasn't alone in the fight. There was a lot of other people going through the same stuff. Um, the first, uh, the first 
part of it was pretty rough, he says. Uh, but he wanted to he wanted to live again. He wanted to get his life back. He wanted to love himself again. He wanted to be loved again. Uh, so, and then he says, this is where the podcast came in. The day he left rehab, he found the podcast on his five-hour drive home, started listening, uh, and just was excited about it right there. Some spoke to him, uh, said, said it helped him understand recovery, what he could expect early on. So thankful for that. Uh, fast forward to today, he's 84 days sober. This was this was a week or two ago, so he's probably a little bit more even into it than that. But congratulations, Michael, 84 days and beyond. Uh, much love to you. Uh, continues to go to meetings. He's got a sponsor. He's working the steps, doing all the things, man. That's what we got to do. Got to do that kind of stuff. I know um, that's been crucial in my own recovery is staying locked into that. Uh, and he's looking forward to the, what the future will, will bring. So best wishes, uh, Michael, man. Much love. Thank you. And congrats again on the 84 days and keep it up. I'm so glad you didn't give up for those out uh, for those of you out there struggling, man, Michael can do it. I can do it. Um, a lot of other people can pull through this and you got a lot of support. You just got to reach out and, 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 uh, get some help. That's it. That's all it is. And I know that's not easy sometimes too. So I don't want to say that's all it is. Like I get it. I tried many times before I finally got the help that I needed. So I get that part of it too, but and people love you, man. Don't give up. This next one comes from Bethany. Uh, she commented on a video. This was on uh, on YouTube on uh, episode 284. He got all God on us. Uh, Bethany says, so I finally made it to 90 days after years of trying. I went to rehab this summer, and my goal has always been to finally get 90 days. But finally, when she got there, she made it, to, she made it a little bit past to 103 days and felt like, what do I do now? So she made it there, and then all of a sudden, after 103 days, she relapsed. There was, uh, let's see, there was, of course, other reasoning as to why I did. So there's some other things there, it sounds like, but I'm also thinking it was maybe because I didn't have a, a goal next. So we put so much into getting these 90 days, but what comes after that? I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just wanted to share what happened in my experience. And, and to me, maybe someone else has had an experience like this. Maybe you have a take on that or some advice to stop this from happening in the future. So, okay, so let me let me rewind on that real quick. You were shooting for 90 days forever. You got the 90 days, and then all of a sudden, it's like, what next, right? So, and this is totally, I didn't, I didn't write any response to this. I haven't read this part because I've been working on other parts of the show notes. So I'm, I'm kind of backtracking here. So this is right off the top of my head. But the first thing that comes to mind when I think about this, what happens after 90 days? What happens after 103 days? Like, look, like if you're and if you have a problem with alcohol and drugs addiction in general more 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 like I do this isn't something that's fixed in 90 days 103 days 1003 days 10003 days this is for me this is a lifestyle it's a lifelong thing that I need to be very conscious of I need to be very aware of and I need to um I need to live like that every day. I need to put the work in. I need to uh, have community around me, small groups, uh, 12-step groups, mentors, sponsors, homies, support, pastors, leaders, people who I look up to who uh, can influence me positively, not negatively, not people that are going to bring me down. You know what I'm saying? People that are going to encourage, lift up, all those things, and those are just a few of them right off the top of my head, but that kind of stuff, that lifestyle is what's going to get you past 103 days. At least, let me rephrase that. That's what got me past 103 days, being all in and knowing that this is a way that I must live, and for me, if I go back to that, I may die straight up. I don't want to die. I want to live. I got a lot to live for. I love my life. I love my family. I love the work that I get to do. I love sharing the word of God, the word of recovery. Um, I love being me and learning who I am as a man, as a son, as a husband, as a father. I love life, baby. I love it. And I'm never going to give up on that. And that's why I know that I have to live my life like this every day. So I hope that makes some sense to you. Um, Go all in, jump in. If you really want this, you can get it, but you got to put the work in, you got to show up and you got to make it a lifestyle. That would be my, my best, uh, my best take on that right off the top of my head. And thank you very much for sharing Bethany, uh, some of your, 
experience what you went through. I know there's other people out there who are trying to get 90 days, close to 90 days. They hit 90 days. Maybe they're trying to get 30 days, 60 days, whatever. Early on, um, I, I know that 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 can be that can be tough, and uh, we got to have some support around us to do it. So I want to encourage you. Don't you, you fall down, get back up quick, keep going. You can do it. This last one comes uh, from Scott from Boston. Man, I so want to go to Boston so bad next year and uh, see uh, the Red Sox and A's play. That would be amazing, but not just see the Red Sox and A's play, but watch the Red Sox and A's play at Fenway Park. That would be my dream. I'm going to do it one day. Hopefully it's next year, maybe the year after. I don't know, sometime soon. Uh, but uh, anyways, uh, Scott says, hey, Shane, what's up? It's Scott from Boston. I just want to say thank you. The podcast has been a great tool in my recovery. I've had four years of recovery today. Or no, I had, let's see, I had four years and then relapsed. Today I'm sitting at 110 days. I found your podcast this time around. It's been a big help. Uh, I liked, I like how you talk about all different things. You keep it real. I also like punk rock, so it's cool. Um, to hear some of that. And you got me into some other podcasts. Uh, Tony Robbins, Recovery Elevator. What's up to my homie Paul out there? Recovery Elevator is another great podcast. Hey, too, Scott, I want to turn you on. And maybe, I don't know if you know this, but um, the Addictionary podcast, my friends Megan and Bobby, they're from Boston out there. They got a cool podcast that's out in Boston. So be sure to check them out too. Um, they do some great work. They have a lot of good guests and uh, all kinds of great content to help you stay sober. So be sure to check those guys out too. Uh, Scott, I appreciate it, man. And uh, hopefully one day I'll be out of Fenway, baby. Oh yeah, the green monster. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Man, I had a bunch of crap in my throat there. I can hear a helicopter flying over. Let me get a little drink there. Okay, so ego. How do I crush ego? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm okay with not knowing. But when I started thinking about this a little bit, I had to say to myself, what is ego? Okay, what is ego? So what do you do? You look it up, right? Ego, a person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. They also had another definition, the psychoanalysis of ego, uh, which was the part of the mind that mediates between the conscious and the unconscious and is responsible for reality testing and a sense of personal identity. So the three words, and if I look at both of those, I'm looking at them right now, self-esteem self-importance and personal identity all stand out to me. Self-esteem, self-importance, personal identity. Now, when I think back prior to getting sober and even as I'm sober and continue to, to learn about myself and just life in general, cause it's off the hook crazy. And some days I don't even remember what day it is, let alone who I am and all that stuff. I mean, it's a constant it's a constant work in progress is what I'm saying, but self-esteem, self-importance, personal identity, man, I lacked all three of those big time, big time up until I went and got some help and started that process. But self-esteem, man, that was tough. And I was, my, I was so hard on myself. I didn't have very much self-esteem. I didn't really value myself. I didn't value my skills and stuff. It was very insecure. Uh, self-importance, you know, how, so how do you balance ego and self-importance? Is there any balance in there? Well, I'm so important. I have a lot of things to offer. I'm special. You know, that mentality. There's, I, I feel like there could be some arrogance involved in, in self-importance. How important am I? What am I, what am I here to do? You're going to start noticing that word as you start playing around with ego too. The word I and me. I and me. Watch how many times you say those throughout the day. I and me. And don't beat yourself up over it. At least I'm, I'm trying not to because it's normal, but we don't, we're not conscious of it when we're not conscious of it. It's how we live our lives. Right. But it's when, when you start to really unpack it and, and realize like, wow, a lot of self-importance, <laughs> but wait, wait a minute. Like what? So always about me and I, and that's why I'm mad. And that's why you're this and that there's a lot there. 
But those three words, and, and then let me get into the personal identity one too. I had no idea. I've said this a lot. I have no idea who I was. You know, how do we know who we are or recognize personal identity without allowing ego to be a factor? Okay, is that even possible? Like, how do we put self-esteem, self-importance? How do we have self-esteem? How do we have some importance in life? We have a role, we have a purpose. And how do we know our personal identity without allowing ego to be a factor? And is that even possible? I, I don't have the answer right now. I'm not sure I'm still trying to work my way through all this. Maybe you do have the answer. or Maybe you think you, you know, and if you do, please share it with me. Shoot, shoot me a, a message and, and I'd love to hear it because I'm trying to learn this stuff too and understand this stuff. And, and so I'm not, I'm not asking like there couldn't potentially be an answer. I'm sure, you know, there's, there's some great insight out there from different people. So I'd love to hear it, but here's the fact we all have an ego to some extent. I have an ego. You have an ego. It's just the way we're wired as human beings. We're selfish people you know, at least deep down. Obviously, a lot of us don't want to be that way. We try, we work very hard to not be that way. Not everybody is a selfish, you know, ass. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying the way we are wired as human beings, we tend to be pretty selfish. I think that's a fair statement. I'll speak for myself. Yes. I'll just say yes on that, right? The battle for me is becoming more conscious of it, realizing that in order for me to have freedom, to have some peace, I need to be completely honest with myself. I need to recognize, I need to admit when my own ego is starting to be a factor in any given situation that I might deal with throughout any day. Because, you know, the, the ego is is very stealthy, very ninja-like, very, um, very easily disguised. And like I said before, ego, when I even heard that word, or pride was another one too, but more or less ego, I just ignored it. I didn't even want to take a look at it. I don't have an ego. 100% denial. I don't have an ego. That's it. So there's a couple of things I did as I started to think about this more in the week. I, I wanted to know, the first thing, what, what does the big book or the 12 and 12 say about ego? And here's a couple of things I came up with, and then I'm going to dive into each one a little bit further. But in the 12 and 12, um, page 55, it says, when it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than step five. And then on page 146 in the 12 and 12, there was sure to be, since we are so largely a band of ego-driven individualists, man, that one rang true. And I'm going un- to read the full context and unpack these more in just a, just a few minutes here. But I wanted to read the kind of the sub- the headline first, just to give you an idea of what we're going to jump into. The next one comes out of the 12 and 12, uh, step seven, page 84. Our eyes begin to open to the immense values, which have come straight out of painful, check this out, ego puncturing. What? Ego puncturing? Damn, I'm about to poke some holes in my ego, son. That's going to be fun. Can't wait. <laughs> and then out of the big book, How It Works, page 61, our actor is self-centered, egocentric, as people like to call it nowadays. So there's some good stuff there, trust me, and we're going to look into it a little bit more. I also also asked myself, well, what does the Bible say about ego? I don't ever remember seeing the word ego in there. Um, and and here's what I here's what I found, and I'll put the link to this. Uh, this is from an article that I had came across that I thought was pretty good. I took took a little bit out of it. Um, I'll put the links down in the show notes, but what does the Bible say about ego? While the word ego does not appear in the Bible, concepts and principles regarding the ego certainly do. The word ego generally, generally refers to an exaggerated sense of self-importance exaggerated. Okay. That's a little bit, we talked about self-importance earlier, but this is an exaggerated state of that which usually results in an excessive preoccupation with self, selfishness. But dying to self, the polar opposite of ego, is the biblical model for Christians. The Bible is filled with abominations against the self because of man's inherent desire to be worshipped. That's crazy. We want to be loved. We want to be um, 
looked at like we have all the answers, like we're superhuman, like we're like we're great. We want to be worshipped. Man's inherent desire, it says it right there. That's kind of what I was saying with the, it's how we're wired in a sense. In fact, all the various forms of modern adultery, or I, how, do we, how do you say that word? I, 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 I'm like totally slaughtering this right now. Idolatry. Why am I so, I can't, man, my English is usually not terrible, but I cannot pronounce that word right now. So I'm going to skim over it. I know some of you out there going, no, it's this, it's that. I get it. I'm not even going to say it. it's not adultery because that's adultery. That's a completely different word. Idolatry. Idolatry. What is going on? All right. In fact, all the various forms of modern, um, it's talking about idols basically, have self at their very core have self at their very core. The dark forces of this age have convinced many that contentment is achieved only by satisfying the urges of self. And we can trace this all the way back to the Garden of Eden where Eve became stirred by Satan's lie that she could be like God, Genesis 3.5. That's some deep stuff. There's a lot, a lot to unpack there. I'm not going to attempt to unpack all that. We're going to stick with some more of the stuff from the 12 and 12 today. But um, like I said, that link is in there and there's some good stuff in there. But I do love that just because when it talks about man's inherent desire to be worshipped, um, you know, it, all the forms of idolization have self at their very core, you know, and there's some dark forces out there that would love to pull us further into that. So we got to be careful. We got to be open. We got to be honest. That's why we're talking about this today. So the first, I have, I have three points here. It's number one is we are ego-driven individualist. Uh, number two is uh, step five. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than, uh, than step five. And then number three, ego puncturing. Step seven, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. And then we're going to wrap this thing up and we'll go on our merry way for the week. Um, so let me start here. We are ego-driven individualists. We are ego-driven individualists. Individ now, now ego-driven, that's that's a big part of it, but the, the word that got me to is individualists, especially for me. I like to do a lot of stuff by myself. I can be a loner sometimes. And it's always funny I find that people who are artists, musicians, um, anything creative, a lot of us are like that. Like we could... We can do podcasts. We can talk in front of huge groups of people. We can play music in front of tons of people and it doesn't bother us. But in a small room, in a small group, or if we're doing something, we get exhausted and drained and we just want to be by ourselves. Loud noise messes with me a lot. You know, and, and these are this is a little bit different than the ego part of it, but I'm just trying to paint the picture of the individualist selfishness in a sense that can that can come out in in me. As a person, maybe you can relate to this a little bit. Now, I think there's a difference too between just needing some time to yourself. I think we all need some time to ourselves out in nature, going on a walk. I like to go backpacking personally, hit the ocean, whatever it is that you like to do. That's important time too. But the ego-driven individualists is a little bit separate than that where it's 100% almost pure selfishness. And a lot of the time it can be disguised uh, as servants in some sense. So I want to, let me read what, what this says in uh, the 12 and 12. This comes from uh, page 146. It says, over the years, every conceivable deviation from our 12 steps and traditions has been tried. That was sure to be, since we're so largely a band of ego-driven individualists, children of chaos, we have definitely played with every brand of fire, only to emerge unharmed and we think wiser. These very deviations created a past process of trial and error, which under the grace of God has brought us to where we stand today. So every conceivable deviation from our 12 steps and traditions has been tried. Like <laughs> the first thing I thought when I said that is, man, like I tried everything. Like other than trying to program, trying to get some help. I tried to control my drinking. I tried drinking and not doing drugs. I tried doing drugs and not drinking. I tried drinking only on the weekends. I tried only drinking beer, only drinking wine, not drinking hard alcohol, only drinking hard alcohol, only doing drugs on the holidays. Merry Christmas. Here's some cocaine. Nothing worked. You feel me? 
Like I tried it all. I tried to adjust. I'm not going to drink this day and not that day. It only got worse. My ego driven individualism thinking I could do this life on my own. I could quit on my own. I could do everything on my own. I don't need your help. I don't need God. I don't need community. I don't need family. I don't need friends. I don't need support. I'm an individualist and I'm very concentrated on that. I got it. Boy, was that a heavy, heavy weight to carry. Heavy weight to carry. And when I look back, there's a lot of ego involved in that. A lot of it, a lot of pride. I'm not going to show weakness. Although when I'm weak, I'm strong. At that time, weakness was just that. It was weakness. At least that's what I thought. Wasn't going to do that. I don't need anybody's help. It was the weight of the world on my shoulders and it was destroying me from the inside out. And the only tool I knew how to use to mask this egotistical character, individualist and and selfishness driving force of a character that I created the only way I know how to mask that was, was alcohol and drugs. And, and mind you, if you, for those of you who don't know me personally, right, if you talk to people who knew me, they wouldn't probably understand what I'm saying right now because I wore the mask very well. That's what the issue is for many of us. A lot of this stuff is internal and it's hidden and it's secret and it's dark and it's buried deep down within. And we wear this mask, we wear this face the face of smiles, the face that everything's cool. I got it all together. I don't have any issues. If I do, then it's cool. We got it. That's a heavy, heavy weight to carry. That's a heavy ball and chain to be tied to your ankle, walking around with all the time. You know, and and I want to say, you don't have to do that. There's, There's an option for that. For me, God saved me. You know, I, God reached out to me, grabbed me, helped me, helped guide me. You know what I'm saying? Into getting some help that I needed. How many times did I just say me, 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 me? <laughs> it's funny. I've been, I've been, I've been becoming conscious of a couple of things in the last couple of weeks. Number one, how many times I say I and me, I mean, it's inevitable. We're going to say it, but what's the context, right? I think so. I think I'm becoming a little bit more aware of the context of what I'm saying. I and me. And then the other thing is my cursing, okay? There's nothing like a good F-bomb every now and again, right? But I'm realizing that it just doesn't sound good all the time. So I'm becoming more aware of when I do say it, I go, "Eh, I don't really, really like that so much coming out of my mouth anymore. It sounds angry. So what's the point? I'm not saying do curse, don't curse. I don't, that's my own little my own little deal I got going on right there, trying to stay away. I'm talking about awareness here, awareness of ego, awareness of language, awareness of selfishness, aware, personal awareness, consciousness, being aware of these things, breaking down the denial of the perception of reality into what my reality actually is. Does that make sense? You feel me on there? You feeling me? Every conceivable deviation from our 12 steps and traditions has been tried. Pretty much. Pretty much. So fast forward into five years, sober, roughly. I I just celebrated six last month, right? But about five years in, and I'm still struggling. And still, even six years in, I, I, I don't know why I even put that note down five years. I mean, I'm struggling till today with this stuff. It's, it's, this is new, just opening up so and, and talking about this and starting to become more conscious of it. It's so easy to, to, to minimize. But I still struggle with egotistical thinking, and I don't even know it sometimes, or at least I don't want to recognize it. It's kind of like that out of sight, out of mind type of thing. And so back to the awareness and the consciousness, we really have to ask, like, I have to ask myself, like, is this, whatever situation it is, am I being selfish? What's my part in it? Is my ego playing any role in this? Where am I at? I mean, it's, it's taking that inventory, taking that personal inventory daily 
in and it doesn't have to be oh i wake up at six like checking the boxes every morning i wake up at 6 a.m and i take my inventory every night at 8 30 i go to bed and i take there's nothing wrong with that by the way i'm saying you can do this anytime throughout the day i mean that's that's the best way i can do it because i can't i can't check boxes like that like i'm off you know, schedules, kids, all that stuff is crazy. Sometimes I know somebody out there who, who have kids and do a lot of things and you're busy. Like we're all busy. We're all doing stuff. So we got to constantly do this and take any opportunity to, uh, uh, to, to put the work in the other thing real quick before, before we get into the next one, um, was the children of chaos. I wanted to mention that real quick and I'm just going to briefly touch on it. I think that'd be a good title for another, another episode coming up maybe. And I'll keep that in mind, but Growing up, like feeling inadequate, feeling insecure, feeling weak, feeling not good enough, and then being involved in a chaotic environment as a child growing up, um, you know, that can be tough on you and it can help shape a lot of the, um, a lot of the emotions, a lot of the, uh, personality traits, a lot of the ingrained, um, like thought patterns that we have that all stems from, from that stuff too. So it's basically like you got this big ball and it's like, I'm not trying to move forward and, and, and just continue piling on the ball. I'm trying to unravel this huge ball of just chaotic mess in there, you know, over these last six years of all these things and trying to, you know, get some emotional stability, some, uh, you know, some confidence, all that stuff. And you know, that's a, it's a tough thing. It doesn't happen overnight. You know what I mean? Like I said in the, in, in the, in the email that I was reading, uh, I think it was with Bethany, like this is the lifestyle. It's putting in the work. It's constant, consistent effort uh, and, and being okay with not knowing stuff and just trusting in God that he's going to guide me in the right direction. You know, that's, that's what's going to give me some peace, not trying to figure it all out and trying to control it all. That just jacks me up big time. So like, why did I start the podcast? This was another thing that I thought of. Was it to help me stay sober Absolutely. Was it to help others and serve? Absolutely. Was it because I like to create? Absolutely. I came from doing music before this. I couldn't connect to music so much after I got sober because a lot of the time I spent doing music and writing and doing shows and all that stuff, I spent doing it on drugs and drinking. So it was really tough to come out and like reconnect. I felt like I had shed some skin on that. I still love music. I still play the guitar. You know, I still write a little bit here and there. I love some poetry. I love singing. I love playing a little bit at me and Cash. Just got, I'm sitting next to the drum set right now. Badass drum set. Like I love music, right? But it's not the same as it was back then. And so I started the podcast in an attempt to still have a creative outlet but do something like for some good and, and help me stay sober. Now, when I really, this is a tough one guys too, for me to really kind of open up on because, uh, it's very personal to me, uh, this, this platform and the podcast and the community and everything. I put a lot of work and a lot of time and I love it. Um, but there was also when I really was honest with myself about it, really, really honest, I had a deep need and I still probably do not. Pro let me rephrase that. I still do. See, I'm even, I even try to cop out on it sometimes. I still probably do. No, you do, Raymer. You do. I have a deep need for approval that I'm working through. I have a deep need, even though I won't ever admit it for, for recognition, to prove to people, that's the big one too, that I'm somebody, that I'm good enough, that I'm strong, that, that maybe I'm important. Man, he's important. Look at, look at the people he gets on his show. Look at the, the celebrities or the, um, the, the, the high profile professionals in the treatment industry. You know, I'm attached to them because I conversate with them. I have them on, I create conversations. We help people and it's all good. There's nothing wrong with any of that, but I have to be very careful and say, what's my intention behind this? And it was when I really looked at it, it was because I have a deep need for approval. I want to be liked by everybody. I want people to, I also want people to get help too, no doubt. So, but here, here's my point to this. And I'm kind of realizing this even as I'm, I'm, I'm talking this out is I, I'm able to disguise the ego and the, the deep need for approval, for recognition, um, to prove to people that I'm somebody, that I'm good enough, that I'm important. I'm able to disguise all of that 
behind also the very real part of I do want to help people. I do want to serve. I do want um, I do want to create entertaining conversations and do good. I, I do want to do all that. And I was doing all that and I am doing all that, but I was never really able to take a real honest look at that need to feel important, uh, to prove to people that I'm somebody that I, that I, you know, I'm seeking approval, recognition and that stuff, man, that's some hard, that's some hard stuff to swallow right there. When, when you really come to terms with that, like I need to have a, maybe a celebrity guest because it makes me look good or big or cool, or it gives me a sense of accomplishment and value, which it, which it does to some extent, some extent, especially a couple years ago, man, I was really trying to come, trying to come up and do the podcast and grow it, man, I got this person and that person and let's talk and man, great and, and building relationships and rapport. And I want to say a ton of good in all of that. And my intentions were, were never bad in any of that stuff. But my intentions and my ego are, are two kind of different things. And so in order to understand that and, and even start to be conscious of it, like I have to admit to it. So that's kind of what we're doing today. We're kind of talking about some of this stuff. And I, I hope that you're able out there listening to be honest in your own right. Obviously, for not everybody's going to have a podcast or a, um, you know, a, a platform, or maybe it's something in your in your workplace. Maybe it's something in your family. Maybe it's something in your church or whatever it is that you're going through out there where like, you can take an honest look at ego and go, man, am I like, what are my intentions of doing this? And even though my intentions might be great, how does my ego play a role in this? You know, dying to self is the weapon we use to combat the inherent desire to seek approval. Let me say that again. Dying to self is the weapon we use to combat the inherent desire to seek approval, to be worshiped, to feel important, to feel good enough. I'm already good enough in God's eyes. That's what truly matters. That's what truly matters. And that's what I'm realizing. That's what's helping me combat against this stupid ego thing. Because it's there for sure. Whether I deny it, look at it or not, it's there. It's alive and well. And if it, you know, one, I'm one email or one, you know, num start getting into numbers. If we talk podcasts, oh, I got this many numbers of downloads. Like who cares? Like who cares? That's how close it is, though, that my ego can just start going down that path. I don't need any of that. I'm already good enough through God's eyes. And when I can see myself through God's eyes and not through man's eyes, and I can have acceptance in that, let me tell you this, that is freedom, my friends. That is freedom. That's freedom. All right, real quick, I want to tell you about a new sponsor we have, and I'm, I'm really, really excited to tell you about these guys. Clean cause. So you might be asking, what is clean cause? Usually, I'd like to crack open a clean cause, but uh, they sent me a couple cases out recently and they're still not here yet. And the case they sent before, we drank it in like two days because they were so dang good. Clean cause is an organic, sparkling yerba mate energy drink, rich in minerals, amino acids, and naturally occurring caffeine. There's 30 calories per serving. There's four flavors, peach, raspberry lemon lime lemon lime and blackberry and I'm, I'm not even joking they taste freaking great uh you get a crash free energy boost uh the way alex uh and i've been communicating is part of the clean cost team the way he described it in an email he sent said stronger than black tea it's a little less strong than coffee um taste wise but it's organic and it's also fair trade so you get a great taste you get low calories low sugar um, here's the best part though. And this is really why I decided and, and number one, because I like the, the drink. I mean, I I'm all about trying different drinks and stuff, especially if it's pretty healthy and pretty good, um, good tasting. That's a given, right? Here's the best dang part of this 50% off of all clean cause drink profits support recovery from alcohol and drug addiction. So the creator Wes, Wes is, is the guy who created uh, clean cause he's in recovery um, and actually, we're going to have him on the show here here pretty soon, which I'm super pumped to uh, to talk to him and hear about the whole story behind his recovery. And then, of course, starting Clean Cause. He and the Clean team are on a mission to help others and give back with clean kickstarts. So basically, they're 30-day sober living scholarships that help support 
people fresh out of rehab so they can find a job, so they can establish a recovery support system. And they, they donate 50% of all clean cause drink profits. I mean, that's huge. You don't hear of a lot of companies doing that 50%. There's a lot of people who donate stuff, but, but half, I mean, that's, that's huge to date. They've, uh, they've granted $392,500 in sober living scholarships. Um, guys, check them out. I'm, I'm, uh, I've, Drink the the clean cause myself. It's good stuff. You can get 20% off your first order by going to www.cleancause.com and entering the promo code SOBERGUY. That's cleancause.com. Enter the promo code SOBERGUY. Get 20% off your first order. Check them out. Help support them. You can sign up monthly. I think they have a monthly subscription where you can just order one case a month. You're getting a great drink and you're helping people uh, when they come out of of rehabilitation, when they come out of treatment to go into a sober living home. So thank you guys. Thanks for being a sponsor. Appreciate you guys. All right, number two, point two, 12 and 12, step five. This is on page 55 of the 12 and 12. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five. Few steps are harder to take than five. Okay, we're going to look at step five, but real quick, this is uh, what came, this is a little bit more to that headline there that came out of the 12 and 12. It says, all of the 12 steps ask us to go contrary to our natural desires. They all deflate our egos. When it comes to ego deflation, few steps are harder to take than five, but scarcely any step is more necessary to long-time sobriety and peace of mind than this one. So what is step five? We admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Step five, we admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. How do we admit when we're wrong? How do we do that? Well, here's what we just we just say I'm wrong. I apologize, I'm wrong. Well, admitting that is a lot easier said than done. There's ego deflation involved in that. I gotta let it go. I gotta yeah, damn it, I'm actually wrong. Gotta take a little bit of humility there, a little honesty. Self-honesty, break the denial, deflate the ego. I'm wrong. It's not easy to do. Not easy to do. The more we do it, the easier it gets. But in the beginning, I mean, y'all, everybody knows or they've been there, either yourself or somebody you know who has struggled so hard with, I'm just going to keep it on alcohol for this one, that is in such denial, they could do no wrong at all. Nothing they do is ever wrong. Nothing's ever their fault. They're always the victim. Um, the world's out to get them. This happened because that. Like, there's no personal responsibility. There's no admission that they're ever done anything wrong. And if there is, it's very minimal. It's minimized to the fullest extent because there's always an, an, an external extra reason why that happened in the first place. You know what I'm saying? Ego deflation, a big part of that. Like, no, you got to, in order to do that, you got to have some humility. You got to let down that. How do we admit to ourselves when we're wrong or we've done wrong? How do we admit to ourselves when we're wrong, when we're done wrong? That's another tough one. Ego deflation involved as well, right? How do I deflate that? How do I let go? How do I even acknowledge it, let alone let it go? How do I acknowledge you know, and it comes, I think it just comes with practice and being honest, like patience keeps coming to mind right now. Just being patient and understanding like that old saying, like this life is not a race. It's a marathon. It ain't a, I'm sorry. It's not a sprint. I, I slaughtered that. It's not a sprint. It's a marathon, right? Like we, this, this life, if we're trying to wake up every day and do the next right thing and be decent human beings and stay sober and love God and love our families and be good, good people, serve others. You know, that's, that's where it's at. And, and, and that takes time is what I'm saying. It takes patience. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, I'm just, I always say this, the day that I stop learning stuff is the day I might as well just die. Cause what's the point anymore? Like I'm so hungry every day to learn more about self, about life, about God, about family, about being a better person, about staying sober, about helping others stay sober, you know, and I can only help others stay sober by sharing my own experience. I want to be very clear about that too. I love that. I love that, man. Like I, I'm not here to tell any, anybody what to do. I'm not here to tell you what you should do, what you shouldn't do. I'm here to share what I did 
what I didn't do, what's worked for me, what hasn't. And, you know, if any, and when all of us do that, that's how we create good fellowship. That's how we create good community. You know, it's not by that ego thinking that we got it all figured out. So we must lay down that ego, speaking of that, to experience peace. Like it's got to be the, the old self must die. You know, the old self must die. And I've that's been coming up a lot for me lately. I've been going to, they have Thursday night pursuit at our church. And so it's, it's basically just a prayer meeting for an hour. And everyone sits down and, and prays and they sing worship music. And uh, it's, a, it's a really good time. It's a great place for me to connect and just get right on a Thursday night. You know, and so what I do is I like to sit up in the in the risers towards the top and and just get my own little space. See that that rugged individualism again. <laughs> it's got its good points though, right? Sometimes I need to just be by myself sometimes and and write and think. You know, and so I that's just been coming back to me like that old self has got to die. You know, that little piece that I've been holding on to that's that's the Shane Raymer of my my teens and my twenties and even my early thirties. Like I'm, I'm on the tail end of my thirties now going into my forties. I want that chapter of my life to be complete of this whole new person. I want to be that whole new person. And I think that I'm well on my way there. Still got a ton of work to do, but a little bit at a time, being patient, rolling with the flow, putting in the work, trying to lay down the ego. I don't care anymore. I don't care if the podcast is you know, how many downloads it has or who's on it, or I just, it doesn't matter. It's an outlet for me. It's fun. I love doing it. From what I understand, it's helping some people. Awesome. But it's really helping me stay sober too. Me, 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 me. I, <laughs> that's funny. So I wanted to kind of give an example of this too, about real quick about laying down the ego and, and admitting when we're wrong. So recently, you know, I got mad at, at Jess over this financial stuff, right? We're going through some financial stuff where we're trying to get things, a better budget going. We're taking a, a great course, um, uh, FPU, Financial Peace University. It's awesome. Like we make good money, but we have no idea how to manage it. Basically, we're just not very good at it. And we've never been. That's probably one of the biggest things that uh, I know that's one of the biggest things that destroys marriages is uh, is finances and gets in between couples. Um, very difficult thing to talk about if you don't have any uh, any any training on it. Like how, like how are we just going to do this on our own? And I always think it's funny how we go into high school and they don't teach us anything about credit. They don't teach us anything about finances. They don't teach us anything about real life stuff. It's just a bunch of crap that I've never really used in, in my life. And that's a design plan in itself, but I'll leave it at that. But anyways, I got mad, you know, I got mad over it. We're going through this, the finances stuff. I got upset. You know, my ego really got the best of me. This was just earlier in the week. You know, I got really, really upset. I do this. I do that. Me, 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 me. You, you did this. You, I, the blame game, right? Went through the whole thing, you know, and, and it starts to build. It starts to go. You know, I can feel the hotness coming up in my chest and it just, just makes, you know, start getting on a roll and it just feels so good to get it out right resentment whatever it is thought i have all the answers you know i did this already said that but still i always think of james Cantor. when you point one finger there's three fingers pointing back at you i cut out the f word that he usually said because i'm trying to trying to refrain but it's so true like i'm pointing the finger you know and there's three, three fingers pointing right back at me because I'm not perfect with my finances. Jess isn't perfect with her finances. So I left. I had to take a little, take a little drive, take a walk. I think I took a walk. I think I took Brody out, walked around the block a little bit. I started thinking about it. What's my responsibility in this situation? Why were you such an ass face right there? What bothered you? What insecurity, what fear came up in that conversation? And that's exactly what it was there was all that stuff ego pride fear fear was at the root of it because i'm scared i'm not going to be able to do this new budget thing or whatever right so i had to come back and apologize of course and say i'm sorry man if i had a dollar for every time i've had to apologize to my lady i would be able to retire right now baby 
I'd be retired. But that's what we got to do. Promptly, when we're wrong, we promptly admit it. We try not to be too hard on ourselves because we suck sometimes. You suck, Raymer. <laughs> I do. I suck sometimes. But I realize, like, we're a team. Like We're married. I gave her a rib. What the hell? Come on. <laughs> but we are. And I'm trying to play the game as individuals still. Me, 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 me. It's back to that selfishness. Now, Jess knows she ain't perfect. I know I ain't perfect. We've both done stupid things. You know, we've both done stupid things financially, and it's time that we come together like adults and actually hash this thing out. And I'm real proud of us for doing that. But has it been easy? No. You know, no. And that, that was the best. I didn't want to get into like our, our financial stuff, but that was the best situation I had that just came up recently where I was a, I was a jerk, you know, and I, and I really had to take a look at a situation. It's like, are we going to do this? Are we going to succeed at this? Are we going to have success? You know, I have to lay down my ego and accept I don't have it all figured out. Yeah, I've done some a lot better in the last six years with finances than ever before. We're, we are so far ahead than we were before. I just did a podcast episode about it a couple weeks back. I don't remember what, what it was titled, but like we were terrible, evicted on government assistance, no money. I mean, lights getting turned off, phones getting. So, I mean, all that stuff, like from that to where we are today, our financial game is way better, but it's still got a lot of work to do. Still got a lot of work to do. And we got to do it together. And that means I have to lay down my pride, my fear, my ego. I got to lay down all that stuff and I got to be conscious of it. I don't have it all figured out. My way isn't always the best, you know? Um, and I have to it, it, admit that to myself. And I had to admit that night that I was being an ass face. So I did. And, you know, hey, we're moving forward and we're going to try to figure this thing out. Last point today, ego puncturing. I love you, babe. Love you, babe. Love you, babe. Love you so much. Ego puncturing. Step seven. What ass face just drove down my street at 76 miles an hour? I'd like to go out there and give that dead dip done up a bit to beat in my mind. I would, though. Oh, I don't know why that makes me so angry. Jess always gets on me about it. Like when people drive fast or they cut me off or they do something stupid and then they give you the look. Ooh, it makes me angry. Who, what, which, um, who had the road rage earlier? Was it Michael? Yeah, it was Michael, I think. So Michael, I just had a road rage incident. See, I feel you right there. The road rage, man. Someone driving fast. It just, it makes me angry. <sighs> I'm going to take a breath. Taking a breath. I'm good. I'm good to go. All right. Last last point of the day today on this ego stuff. How do I crush ego? Number three, ego puncturing. Step seven, humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings. This came from the 12 and 12, page 74. It says, this improved perception of humility starts another revolutionary change in our outlook. Our eyes begin to open to the immense values which have come straight out of painful ego puncturing. Until now, our lives have been largely devoted to running from pain and problems. We fled from them as if they were the plague. We never wanted to deal with the lack of suffering. Escape via the bottle was always our solution. Character building through suffering might be all right for the saints, but it certainly didn't appeal to us. That's some good stuff. I I would suggest if you have a 12 and 12 book, go back and read that. And if you don't have a 12 and 12 book, go get one and go back and read that because that that's good stuff right there. I'll read the last line again. But escape via the bottle was always our solution. Character building through suffering might be all right for the saints, but it certainly didn't appeal to us. In other words, we block out suffering. We block out pain. And that's what we're going to get into a little bit in this. Um, anyone remember... When the A's were world champions, when the Oakland Athletics were world champions, 1989, a long time ago. Anderson at second base. Carney Lansford at first. Nobody out. A's up four to two. One one the count on Canseco. Oh man. Oh, I love that sound. Canseco. 
the juice head hits a bomb. Now, I don't. I couldn't recall if that was in 1989 or not. I didn't get a date on that uh, that little sample there, but I just wanted to play that quick memory. Just the mention of the name Carney Lansford. Oh, man, that just pumps me up. Pumps me up. But those were good years. The Bash Brothers. I was a kid at that time, man. Was that 19, 1989? I was eight years old. Lots of shortcomings since the Bash Brother days, since the steroid days, right? I asked God to remove the Oakland A's shortcomings recently. I asked him, this year's game, we just had the wild card game, right, against Tampa Bay a couple couple of nights ago. Now, after losing last year to the Yankees in the wild card game, which really pissed me off, was not very happy about that. And six previous playoff runs prior to that, God said no. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to suffer a little while longer. I'm sure God really that's what he said, because he has nothing better to do than than you know talk baseball and talk about suffering. But man, this was the first thing that came to mind in this week. Like I it was suffering. I'm sorry if you're a baseball fan like I am and an Oakland fan at that. It is tough being whether you're a Raider fan, an A's fan, it's tough. I mean, we've had some good runs the last few years. I love the Coliseum. Everyone hates on the Coliseum. Hey, you want to have one of the best tailgating sessions you've ever experienced in your life? Come to an Oakland Raiders game. Come to an Oakland A's game. I guess you won't come to an Oakland Raiders game, though, because they're going to be in Las Vegas next year. Oakland A's, the Oakland Athletics, will be the last Oakland ticket that you can get because the Warriors are going across the bridge, too. So I just realized that Oakland A's will be the last spot where you can barbecue like unbelievable tailgating probably one of the last experiences in major league baseball is going to be in oakland that home feel old school baseball grinding it out the coliseum big ass parking lot tons of people tons of people going crazy tons of people eating food ready to grind on some baseball and it's a great time at the same time it's so disappointing some years couple nights ago had the family over we're pumped up they lose they lose to tampa bay don't no one even cares in tampa bay about baseball i shouldn't say that someone's going to be like hey fool there is probably someone out there but i'm just saying it was tough i even contemplated becoming a dodgers fan just because of it i know everyone's like oh he just said that did he just say that and i justified it because i had a dodgers hat when i was like in the third grade and because my in-laws are huge dodger fans I think my, I love this story. My wife says, my father-in-law, Bill, awesome dude. The only time she's ever seen him cry is when, and he's a, he's a man's man, dude. He takes care of business, works his butt off, loves some Dodger baseball. The only time she's ever seen him cry is when Kurt Gibson hit the home run against the Oakland A's in 1988 World Series, did the fist pump. Many of you remember that. Some of you don't. Iconic moment in baseball. Only time my father-in-law's ever shed a tear, and that's that love for that, right? Here's my point to all this, okay? Number one, the point is I love some Oakland A's baseball. I think you got that, okay? But I'll run from anything and never look back if it's not going my way. If it's My, my, my initial reaction is to run. I even want to run from the A's. I don't want to be an A, man. Screw those guys. I'm tired of suffering through this crap. This is BS. So what, what did I used to do if we use a different analogy? I used to have a lot of other pain and other you know, crap going on in my life. And most of it was self-inflicted and victim mentality and personal issues. I ran from it. I used to run from pain and problems, just like the 12 and uh, 12 and 12 says, just like the plague. Like I was about to catch a disease, whether it's finances, childhood wounds, relationships, you name it. I ran from it. I didn't deal with anything, 100% denial. I'll deal with that later. One day I'll strike it rich and pay it all off. Anybody ever had that mentality? I don't know. I'm not going to deal with this shit right now. But one day I'll tell you what, I'm going to make it. One day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to do that. One day I'm going to make X amount of money and I'll just pay all this debt off that I have. It's a tough way to live. Tough way to live. I'm probably in denial that the A's, I might be dead before the A's ever go to the World Series again. Who knows? I'm going to hang in there, though. I don't want to deal with the suffering, though. I don't want to deal with the pain. 
whatever it is that you might be going through right now, whatever it is I might be going through, we don't want to deal with the suffering and the pain. I don't want to deal with the past. Those are gone. Those things are over with. Just sweep them under the rug and let them go. I don't want to deal with that crap. I don't need to deal with it. It's good. It's done. I'm over it. I'm, I've healed. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm strong. I will get through this. We don't want to deal with it. It eats us up inside. It ate me up inside not dealing with it. So I drink. So I get high instead. So I live in denial of my reality through a perception of what I think or want my reality to actually be. And I hide out behind this silent, prideful ego who thinks I have it all figured out. On the outside, I appear like I have it all together, but on the inside, I'm broken, I'm insecure, I'm hurt, and I'm silently pleading with someone or something to come and save me from myself. Proverbs 28.1, one of my favorites, the wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Let me say that one more time as this plane flies overhead. Proverbs 28.1, the wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. I want to stand bold as a lion with God, with my family, with my friends, without ego, without self-detrimental pride, without drugs, without alcohol. I don't need any of that crap in my life. I want to be true to myself. I don't want to see reality through my perception. I want to see reality through truth. Now we started this all by saying, what is ego? A person's sense of self-esteem or self-importance. As the old me continues to slowly die, the new me is born again and born again in the spirit of God. Thank God for that every day. And, and my self-importance my self-esteem, my self-worth, my ego is no longer an enemy to me. Is thankfully I begin to see um, myself. I, I begin to see myself through God's eyes, not through man's eyes. And there's freedom in this. There's freedom. There's peace in beginning to mold this new identity through Jesus Christ. And I love it. I love it. I'm so grateful for that. I love you guys. I hope something spoke to you today. Um, you know, what's the takeaway here? Show up, put in work, have support, have people around you. Go for it. You can do it. Be honest with yourself. Be honest, brutally honest and do the work. Be patient. This stuff takes time. Be easy on yourself. Give yourself grace. Hope something spoke to you guys today. Please share the podcast with a friend. I'm not promoting this anymore, at least right now at this season in life on social media. I'm putting it out there. There it is. Thanks again for tuning in today. Check us out at thatsoberguide.com. Thanks to our sponsors, Foundation Recovery Network and Clean Cause. Peace, love, respect. Keep your blood clean. <laughs>